2: This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast. WILK News Radio.
3: The Club for Common Sense called to order for another hour. Bob Cordaro with you. We do provide a sanctuary of sanity for you in a mad, 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 mad world. Apologies to the old movie if I didn't get enough mads in there. But it's appointment radio 9 to noon each day weekday here on WILK, and we're honoring, as our veteran of the day, George Dadasco of Berwick, U.S. Army, World War II. He was with the 773rd Field Artillery. Well, he knew how to use a typewriter. He was the battery clerk, rank a corporal, participated in five major campaigns, not just with his typewriter. He was everywhere. Middle East, Europe, Africa. And he was awarded five bronze service stars. That's valor in battle. Became not a butcher for A&P. He always explained he was a meat cutter. Because a meat cutter cuts for profit, George says. Marries his wife, Eleanor as he said, I do in 52, settles in Berwick, raises six children. Becomes a stalwart of St. Mary's Catholic Church in Berwick. Kiddingly called the world's alt- oldest altar boy. And he's celebrating his 100th birthday today, and we are ecstatic. George Dadasco, the perfect example of what we talk about America's veterans, that after they leave the extraordinary circumstances they found themselves in when they were with the military, they come home, in this case to Berwick for George, and they do the ordinary so often and so well that it becomes extraordinary. Happy birthday, George Didasco. Well, someone else who fights for this country, in a very different forum, Washington, D.C., is Phil Kirpin of American Commitment. You've heard him here before. And recently, our disgraceful president vetoed a bill, which had bipartisan support, by the way. There was a rule that planned fiduciaries, meaning the people who invest your money, are required to make investment decisions based solely on your money. (laughs) Doing better for your money biden's rule is that they can consider climate change and other nonsense social and governance factors and phil kirpin says enough and he's calling it out and he's with us now uh phil w- welcome back honored to have you
2: yeah great to with you bob it's um it's pretty remarkable. It's a few weeks ago now, but I'm, I'm glad uh, you still wanted me to have to talk about it because, you know, the news cycle moves on so quickly and we forget about things. It's a seismic a really change,
3: Phil Kirpin. It's a seismic change in how money yeah. is invested.
2: It's enormous. Look, everyone has always understood the word fiduciary to mean acting in the financial interests of investors. That's literally been the definition of the world word forever. Until now, and now because of uh, Biden and his labor department and his veto to prevent the bill that would have corrected this, uh, now the word fiduciary can mean acting in your financial interests or your non-financial interests. However, that might be understood by the person who's managing your retirement money. And of course, we know what that means in practice is climate change and LGBT and social justice and whatever left-wing uh, political idea, the ESG movement, uh, is interested in, in any given day. And if the person managing your retirement money doesn't have to act in your financial interests, they can do whatever they want. They, yeah. you know, the, the idea that, uh, you know, or, well, yeah, I cost you money and you have less money in retirement, but you know, I did it to solve global warming for you, or I did it for social justice, so really it was in your best interest. Um, you know, under that standard, good luck ever suing anyone. For squandering your money yeah it's uh, it's an unwinnable standard uh, for the investor which essentially makes the word fiduciary meaningless yeah. it, it uh, what does it even mean if it can be non-financial
3: well another development yesterday which i know you followed or that was has been rolled out this week uh and may go into effect at the end of the month is this notion that people who've been responsible with their money and paying their bills with high credit scores will now pay, regardless of their ability to pay. They will now pay for those with bad credit scores on mortgages.
2: Yeah, you're talking about the new, uh, the new "quote unquote" affordability rules yes. uh, from the regulator of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and uh, this is a pretty remarkable thing. What they're basically saying is. If you are low income and have bad credit or have a low down payment, uh, they're now going to uh, reduce your fees that are charged on your mortgage, and uh, they're going to raise the fees that are charged for people who pay large down payments and have good credit uh, and otherwise would have qualified for the lowest rates, and so they're going to sort of uh, you know, they're gonna kind of equalize the rates a little bit between the people who are high risk, uh, they're gonna pay less and the people who are ro- low risk, they're gonna pay more uh, <laughs> by regulatory dictate.
3: Yeah. And, and, and aren't these two things of a piece? I mean, they st- <laughs> it's it's this inanity and lack of understanding of the economy and of basic fairness and reality.
2: Well, yeah, I do think it's the same. It's the same mentality. It's the same mindset. It's uh, it's good to connect those dots because what the left believes is that uh, economic decision making, decision making on the actual economic merits, is inferior to political decision making, to uh, helping uh, their friends and uh, punishing their enemies and uh, making decisions not based on actual financial factors, but based on you know whatever the left is interested in at any given time. And uh, this is. You know, this is one of the through lines of everything that they've done, uh, kind of through regulation, is they're trying to supplant market mechanisms with, you know, their their own value judgments. Uh,
3: Phil Kirpin, uh, we're talking to, he is the president of American Commitment. You quote, uh, or I quote you by saying a former BlackRock executive, Terrence Keeley, soured on this insanity of ESG uh, because he's he's saying it doesn't work for the investor.
2: Yeah, well, this is the thing. So when they started doing this, you know, five years ago, whenever it was, when they started doing this ESG investing, this politicized investing, their whole pitch was, you know, uh, it's going to be good for the environment and good for social justice, and it's going to make you more money. And the companies that do these left-wing things are going to perform better. And uh, that second part has definitely not happened. Uh, they have severely underperformed, which makes sense if you think about it, because if you're boycotting oil and gas, and oil and gas has a couple of good years, you're going to underperform. If you're making your decisions based on politics instead of economics, you're going to miss out on companies that are focused on maximizing profit and you're going to invest in companies that are doing political things with money instead and you know that is almost certainly going to underperform for two reasons one is that you're under diversified when you boycott sectors and so you're going to miss out on the up years for those sectors uh but the second is that you know companies that do politics instead of economics tend to do worse financially <laughs> and uh, there've been a number of studies that have shown that now and so the ESG funds really underperformed I and mean, you know last year they almost all underperformed the market substantially and you know this fiction that well you know we can do this politicized investing and that's actually good for you as an investor that's now i think been laid to rest which really makes the uh the question even more clear you know are we going to permit you know i have no problem Bob if someone's investing their own money and they want to put it into esg funds and you know fight global warming with their investment dollars or promote social justice or your money do whatever you want the problem is we're talking about people investing other people's money. We're talking about people running pension funds, people running retirement accounts for other people. And up until, you know, a few years ago, the word fiduciary meant they had to act in your financial interest. They had to maximize returns consistent with your risk tolerance. Which by the way now it's
3: which by the way, Phil Kirpin, it's why you
2: invest in the first place for your financial interest. Right, right, right. Well, this is what's so crazy on what they did, what the president used his veto pen to do here. I mean, like, you're basically telling people, yeah, you're going to have less money for your retirement, but don't worry, you know, it's going to advance whatever left-wing agenda, then that's going to be worth it. That's that's what's in your interest. Your non-pecuniary interests are going to be served, even though you're going to have less money for retirement, lower standard of living in retirement. And by the way, Bob, it also gives you a lower standard of living right now because this investing based on ESG criteria is driving up the price of energy. When you boycott it, when you have large elements of Wall Street boycotting oil and gas, it means that projects don't get financed that otherwise would, which means you pay more at the pump, you pay more on your electric bill, and so you get hammered two ways on this. There's less money come retirement time, but you're also paying more right now for energy because they're making less capital available for production of American energy.
3: We're talking with Phil Kirpin of American Commitment. Uh... You, you've got so many things you've got to go after to try to preserve this thing we call America. Uh, we're so happy to have you on the front line. Tell us, I guess, the bottom line, because I, I, got, I got your press release, the real Biden agenda.
2: Yeah, look... Um- this is an administration that's now moving very, very aggressively through all of the regulatory agencies. Uh, It's the same thing Obama did when he lost the House and then he just shifted everything to the EPA and, you know, the FCC and the the NLRB and so forth, Labor Department. We're now seeing the same thing happen with Biden. Uh, They're really aggressively moving the whole left-wing agenda uh, through the agencies, through the politicized Department of Justice. Uh, They are not letting up on the gas just because they lost the House. And that makes this fight over the debt ceiling the of the year. And uh, I really commend Republican House leadership. They have put a very, very strong bill on the table. They're going to try to pass it next week, and it has uh, four and a half Trillion dollars of spending cuts. It's got a provision in there that no new regulation can take effect without affirmative approval in Congress, which would put the brakes on everything that the Biden administration is trying to do. It's got the entire pro-American energy agenda uh, in the bill as well. So it's really a strong marker to put down. And they're saying that's the price you want us to raise the national debt. Uh, okay, we'll do it. But th- these are the things we need to have to be willing to do that to By grow the, way, the economy. Uh,
3: uh, and- Phil Kirpin, the increase in the in this bill. The increase in the in the uh, national debt is one point five trillion. It's not right. like it's right.
2: it's not beans. <laughs> no, it's it's pretty big. But they're saying, look, this is what Republicans are saying, which I think is very responsible, by the way. They're saying they're saying, yeah, we get it. We're not going to balance the budget this year. Uh, that would be too hard to do. Uh, you know, given all the obligations the federal government has, we're not going to balance the budget this year. So we are going to take on more debt. But if we take on more debt we're going to actually fix the problems that we face so we're not right back in the same situation. So we're going to cut spending, we're going to cut regulation, we're going to get control of you uh, you know of, of, you know of producing energy again in this country. And I think they've put down a very, very strong marker. I think if they can get it through the House next week, they're going to have a huge amount of leverage with the president to, to actually get something productive done. And so that, I think, is going to be the key fight of the year, and everything kind of feeds into it. And I, I'm pretty impressed uh, with the version of the bill that, that they're uh, moving right now.
3: Phil Kirpin, we hope you will come back and talk to us about that because I want, I've been talking to this audience about the true consequences of a, a failing to increase the debt limit. And those true consequences are a balanced budget and the Treasury yeah. Department determining which bills to pay. <laughs> and right. it doesn't stop government. It doesn't. Do, so I, I'd love to have the conversation with you in the next couple of weeks. About what that might look like from your vantage point if this deal doesn't get done, because Biden doesn't want to get it done.
2: Yeah, of course, you know, your former Senator Pat Toomey was probably the most sensible voice we had in Congress explaining that we don't default just because the government has to operate on a cash basis. Um, I don't see anyone really stepping up and doing that right now, explaining that, sort of yeah. diffusing the fear mongering uh, in the media. So. That is a very important point, and, uh, look, it's not the end of the universe if this takes a few months longer and you know, they're going to say, oh, no, we're all going to die and whatever. That, that's completely untrue. That is not correct. Um, but this does need to get resolved at some point, and, uh, you know, I think the bill the Republicans have put forward is a pretty strong one. Yeah. Well,
3: Phil Kirp, an American commitment. Thank you, as always, for uh, expanding on this. We would brought it to the attention of the audience, but expanding upon it today and explaining it in a way that we could all understand. We appreciate it, and we look forward to having you back again. All right. Have a good one, Bob. Keep fighting for us. Thank you. We'll take this break. Bob Cador with you, W-I-L-K, honoring George Dadasco, 100 years old today. He's from Berwick. We'll be back. 2016, Prince, one of the most inventive and influential musicians of his time, is found dead at his home in suburban Minneapolis at age 57. Drugs kill. And I, I'm not a Prince fan. Uh, I got it, you know, Raspberry Beret, all that. But um, it was still history. So just because I didn't get it, just because I wasn't a Prince fan, it, still, it was still a big deal for a lot of people. So we we do it here on the Club for Common Sense, the Bob Cadero show. And uh, that was his deal. Uh, Now, let me go through a couple of um, texts before I get to Lorraine from Hazleton, who has a joke. And she's been persistent, so I'm very, very pleased with her. Someone texted in, in 1974, I studied in Poland. My future husband did tie yellow ribbons on on every bush for the block when I returned. Love it. Good for you. Uh, Bob LTS, 1967, dire famine by 75. 1970, ice age by 2000. 1970, water ration by 74. 1970, food ration by 1980. 1971, ice age in 50 or 60 years. 1971, ice age by 2010. 1974, ozone loss, threat to life. 1980, acid rain threat. 1990, acid rain threat. And don't forget...
1: Of oil and
3: starving to death. Yeah, well, you have dire famine. yep. Yeah. amazing. And And a group of people still believe choose to believe these people. All right. Thomas Jefferson. I love when you send these quotes in and I, I wish I could give you attribution as well because you, you fill in nicely. The man who reads nothing at all is better educated than the man who reads nothing but newspapers. So said Thomas Jefferson. One of the wisest ever, Joe from Trips Park. It was a point that I I had to leave because of the calls we were taking, but he he I'm th- I thank you, Joe, for sending this. Elon Musk was able to teach himself rocket science and put a satellite in space, yet the batteries in his vehicles have not significantly improved in efficiency. Let that sink in. Excellent point, and and one that I never even thought of. Uh. Maintenance Steve. Stephen says, LTS, I say LTS, back at you, Stephen. And he says, I identify as invisible. I am transparent. My pronouns are who and where. (laughs) Uh, Somebody said, Bob, LTS, Purple Rain was the first movie I saw on my first car date. LOL, I love it. I love it. Uh, if you and so and then uh, somebody texted in, if you ever get the chance, watch Prince do "My Guitar Gently Weeps" with Eric Clapton. I, I will do that. I certainly will. And now, without further ado, but with persistence and patience, Lorraine from Hazelton has a joke for us this Friday. Hi, yeah. Lorraine. Hi, I'm Bob.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Fire away, my darling. Well. Um, I just wanted to tell you, my mother always used to say what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. So she was ahead of her time the way the world is. (laughs) And that's not the joke either, but the truth. I know,
3: but that's, you know, she's right. Yeah.
4: And, um, well, anyway, you know, good Catholic couples are not supposed to practice any kind of birth control except the rhythm method. Well, with that in mind, um, I heard about this married couple. And they had seven children. And the husband said, oh, to his wife, oh, honey, look, he said, financially, he said, it's getting rather rough. He said, but you know, we are not supposed to practice any kind of birth control except the rhythm method. And she she goes, oh, okay. She goes, fine and dandy. She said, but tell me something, honey. Where are we going to get a band at 2 a.m. in the morning? (laughs)
3: Oh, your delivery was so good it made a lousy joke palatable. Wait a minute now, you! Ooh, I waited for ten hours to get on here. <laughs> <laughs> but but now you listen. I said this, and this was a compliment, maybe a backhanded one. Maybe. But I said you're a you're a an even better poet than jokester.
0: <laughs> <Huh>?
4: <laughs> I'm not stuck for words. But like the song goes, silence is golden. (laughs) (laughs) I sing,
3: too. (laughs) Well, listen, you know, you've got great timing, great comedic timing. Um, We just got to get you better material. You know, a lot of these jokers, a lot of people, you know, that are world famous. You got a lot of writers.
4: Well, I don't have that privilege, that honor. Listen, and sometimes it's not the jokester, it's the recipient. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, I can I'm, see
3: I can see 40,000 people out there laughing I can
4: That's right they're probably saying, Bob, what's the matter with you?" Uh I what? had another quickie but it's too it, it, I had to go real fast wouldn't I Well, we're we're over time. I let you uh, come
3: back after the weather if you if you promise it's a good one. <laughs> Is it good? To me it's good, but I well then we'll wait to hear it. I, I could you can you hold with us? Yeah, um, I'll hold. I've been right. holding all morning. We got some great sponsors, and we got to do the weather. And then we'll come back with Lorraine on the Bob Cordaro Show. Speaking of climate, I'm sorry, we're speaking of weather. Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Joe Snedeker. Today, sunny with a slight chance of scattered showers by early evening, high of 82. Tonight, partly cloudy, low of 58. Tomorrow, partly sunny with showers moving in late afternoon with steady rain and some thunder overnight. It's high of seventy-two. Sunday: lingering showers early, then sun later, and showers again by the evening. High of fifty-eight. Monday: partly cloudy, passing showers, maybe some sun. High of fifty-two. Now, someone uh, texted in that. <clears throat> where is it? Uh, I, I, and I, I think you're being tongue-in-cheek, or at least I hope so. There is famine in Africa and Sudan. That's in response to the audience member who gave all these hoaxes, which I've discussed often. Now, I believe when the the person who texted in there's famine in Africa and South and Sudan. You know they're lying, though, right? Like, that's just like some kind of minor touche. Because they're, the claim was... There would not be enough food on the planet if you didn't stop population growth. We've more than doubled since then and we've got more food than we know what to do with. So you have occasional distribution issues and as you know in the Sudan you have warring generals causing chaos. It has nothing to do with with inability to feed people. I please pray you hope, hope you know that. And then we have, but see, then we've got this international cabal. I never believed it, I never listened to it, but I'm watching their prescriptions from Green New Deal and then its spin off, which is no nitrates and nitrogen emissions which means you cannot grow food. You cannot have cows. You cannot have hogs. This attack on meat. And I'm watching them pushing us to bugs. And I'm watching them try to stop us from uh, producing and distributing fertilizer. And I'm watching individual food processing plants in the United States blowing up and getting hit by airplanes and all kinds of insane things. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, they this leadership, who will never be touched by it, may want to create the famine they predicted, the inability to feed the world's population, to prove they're right. Are they that base and evil? They just might be and I'm not wearing a tin hat I'm watching things happen and I'm questioning it they're attacking the entire food supply as it is currently constructed without a reasonable replacement other than this falsity that there's enough bugs for us to eat which is a lie by the way There aren't enough safe bugs for us to eat to replace the current food supply. Even if that was a palatable, and I say that both literally and figuratively, possibility. These are very scary people. Very scary. And they don't have our best interest at heart. That's your Democrat Party in the United States. That's your globalists and your World Economic Forum. And your World Health Organization. And much of your United Nations bureaucracy. And it's unfortunate, but it's sadly true. And after I go through that diatribe, a necessary one, we get back to Lorraine because you've got a couple of minutes to deliver your next joke, darling.
4: Well, here comes my lousy joke. Right. <laughs> Next time I call, I'll be, by heck, I'm going to have a poem for goodness sake. Well, anyway, there were two drunks coming out of a bar, and no one wasn't you. But anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, the one looked up and said, oh, my gosh, that sun, boy, that's bright. The other drunk said, that's the moon. And then they're going back and forth. That's the sun. That's the moon. That's the sun. So all of a sudden, by that, the third drunk hobbled on out. And the two of them said, Hey, buddy, can you settle our argument here? Is that the sun or is that the moon? The other drunk said, Don't ask me. I'm not from around here. <laughs> but, well, it's a well-worn
3: joke. We'll put it that way.
4: Yeah, well, I have to do it with the sun and the moon <laughs> in direct. <laughs> what the heck? What do you want for, for nothing? <laughs> uh, well,
3: you know, uh, uh, persistence is often uh, its own reward. And you demonstrated uh, it today. Uh, and, 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 Lorraine, how about... While I have you on, we have a couple seconds because Sinatra and Gerard Mayer are ready to sing. But George Dadasco, our 100-year-old World War II veteran from Berwick, isn't that great?
4: Yes, very, very wonderful. You know, when you see a lot of these commercials on TV, it makes you cry, you know, but the poor veterans that suffered so much in that. Well, uh, and came home,
3: Lorraine, and, and even you in your what late forties could, could appreciate, you know, that hundred year old birthday.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah. And and by the way, not to change somebody, but I had a purple ribbon tied around the tree waiting for you. <laughs> it was supposed we- to be yellow. Well, oh, no wonder you missed it. Son of a gun. <laughs> and I had an arrow pointing to my house, but you missed that, too.
3: Oh, Lord. Well, hey. Yes? Uh, now, I don't know if it was in reference to you, but one of the great contributors to this show, my friend Mark Mayer, said that they're laughing on Long Island. So maybe it was about your, maybe it was at your joke. That's right. See? You've got uh, fans out there.
4: Just because you don't laugh doesn't mean that. (laughs)
3: I'll get you a gig at the brick, uh, the brick uh, cafe on in Lynbrook, Long Island. How about that, Lorraine?
4: Okay, I'll tell Bob. Send me.
3: (laughs) Maybe (laughs) they won't let me in. My darling, you have a great weekend. I appreciate you calling in and sticking with us with your
4: job. All right. I'm so stuck to the chair. It's pathetic. I can't get up.
3: Okay. All right, okay. my darling. Have I'll, a good one. All right. I'll try. You too. Right. Bye-bye. We'll be back with Sinatra and Gerard Mayer, because you know what time it is. We are back honoring the birthday boy, 100-year-old George Dadasco of Berwick, U.S. Army, World War II. Meat-cutter extraordinary, father of six And a pillar of the St. Mary's Catholic Church in Berwick. We're going to have his great nephew, Jake, come in, uh, our own Jake Heller, talk about the celebration they have planned for George this weekend. Uh, A little bit, well, in a few minutes. Thanks, Gerard. Thanks, Frank. Now well, there's so much I could go to. Somebody says, wouldn't you just love to take Lorraine to the prom? Yes, I would. And my friend Mark Mayer says, Lorraine's poem and joke hour. See, and it's what I try to do. We go something horrible, like the World Economic Forum and this plan to starve us. Coordinated or not, it's a plan that's coming together against us. And I then go to Lorraine or or George Dadasco Cause you can only take so much stupidity, incompetence, and evil. You gotta go to the good, because it's still here, still exists. All right, let's go to Andrew in Stanhope, New Jersey. Andrew, we got about a minute, my
2: friend. Fire away. Hey Bob, for Lorraine, I have a couple of quick jokes. <coughs> Hockey and NASCAR racing. It's the same joke. (laughs) It's the same sport. It's all white guys going fast in a circle. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) And uh, this is my friend's joke, but you know, the the wives, the women live longer and the wives usually live longer. That's because they nag the husband into an early grave. Well, that's not original, Andrew.
3: See, we're we're critics here. We don't even give Lorraine a pass when she tells a lousy joke. So, sorry,
2: Andrew. Hers are, <laughs> hers are good. I just want to say with uh, Biden, his biggest lie, he told a lot, but that Hunter is the smartest person that he ever met. Oh, isn't that? I mean, well, you've got to think how stupid
3: Joe Biden is. I mean, he's one of the dumbest men on the planet. Of course he would think. And I said it the first hour. None of these Bidens are smart enough to be where they are. None. They're idiots. Thank you, my friend. Okay. April 21st, 1981, Weird Al Yankovic made his first uh, uh, TV appearance on Tom Snyder's Tomorrow Show, performing Another One Rides the Bus, a parody of the Queens, another one bites the dust. Well, we're honoring today George Dudasco. Uh, someone who guaranteed has achieved greatness. And he's from Berwick, and he's 100 years old today. And he served us in the U.S. Army, father of six, uh, meat cutter extraordinaire. And his Jake uh, uh, Heller is with us, my former producer when I was on in the afternoon. Jake, so tell us, you're great nephew to him? Yes, sir. All right. You, you've, the family's got a celebration for George this, this weekend. Tell this us Sunday. a little bit about what you're going to do with George. Yeah. I love this.
5: Yeah, this Sunday in Berwick, Bob, all of us are going to be getting together. And I just want to say on behalf of myself, on behalf of my mom, and especially my godfather, John, he was the one that helped piece together all the information that, that you've done a remarkable job. Is, that, is John his, one of his sons? Yes. Oh, great. Yeah, George Jr., Mary Ann, Mikey, John, Diane, Dave, they seriously, I speak on behalf of all of them. We can't thank you enough for honoring Uncle George It's such a, a monumental day all around.
3: I can't thank you enough for letting me do it. I, yeah. I, and I I mean that when I do all of these, but this this is special. We had a, a great man that I knew forever by the name of John Perry. It was the celebration of his 100th anniversary, uh, uh, 100th anniversary of his birthday, yeah.
5: but he wasn't with us. We got George with us, which is just fabulous. It's incredible—the first centenarian in my family, for that matter, that I could think of. And, and you know, the amazing thing is, Bob, I, my, I think that the best thing I've ever done, or the proudest thing that I've ever took part of, was last August when you had Tony Gillian and Charlie Tansas in here, two other 100-year-old World War II veterans. And when you think of it, there's not many that are left of the greatest generation. And this is truly an honor in itself. And it's also a bit of reflection as well. You know, I I think of, of course, Chachi Eleanor, his wife. I I wish that she was still with us today. I think of my grandmother. And I just think of really Uncle George, how he served his country during that time. You know, they don't call him the greatest generation for for nothing. I think of that, and I think of really how— Loyal and faithful, and how devoted he has been with his faith. I mean, till ninety-one years old—that's remarkable in itself. Altar boy till twenty or not, not an altar boy, but okay. Yeah. But he, he served mass until ninety. Ninety-one. It's incredible. Absolutely. How is his
3: health? How is George's health?
5: He's doing good. I mean, he's 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 in good spirits. You know. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm just so excited to have that opportunity to see him. On Sunday, I'm so happy that he was able to hear this, and my mom's cousins and all of us that you know we we're all able to be a part of the, this this wonderful day. I mean, I, I'm I'm just at a loss for words because
3: which is rare for you. You, you hope but, I,
5: but I'll tell you what the hundredth <laughs> birthday of George Didasko uh, is a
3: cause for, for for not having your tongue tied. There's no doubt it, about it. Really it really
5: is. I mean, I. I Like you were saying, it's not often that I'm at a loss for words. But happy birthday, Uncle George. We love you. We thank you for everything, for your service, for being such a great family, man, being so devoted to the church. So many wonderful things and just so happy and so blessed that he has been able to make it to 100. And something – and
3: you know what, too, Jake, an example, a shining example of what a regular guy – can do, and can be for all of us. I I say it often about these veterans, and I've, I've repeated it several times today about George Dadasco. They did the ordinary over and over again, and they did it so well and so often it became extraordinary. And no better proof than this weekend's 100th birthday celebrations for George Dadasco uh it's remarkable. It sure is. Well, we're going to pl- George. We're going to play for you the to close out the show and the week. We're going to play for you Marilyn Monroe singing to President Kennedy and her version of Happy Birthday because you deserve it. There's no doubt about it. Thank you again, Bob. I really appreciate it. Guys, have a great weekend. Happy birthday, George Dadasco! This is for George Dadasco of Berwick. We'll convene again Monday, God willing. YLK News Radio, this is the Bob Cordaro Show
2: Podcast.